Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Kristen Gresh. Kristen is the Estrella and Yosef Karsh, curator of photographs at Boston's Museum of Fine Arts. She helped organize the recently opened exhibit, Memory on Earth, the Woods Ghetto Photographs of Henrik Ross. She was also the curator of the 2013 exhibition, She Who Tells a Story, Women Photographers from Iran and the Arab World, and the author of its accompanying book. She has a PhD in the history of photography from the School of Advanced Studies in Social Sciences in Paris, and has published articles and publications such as Etudes Photographiques and History of Photography. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you, Lisa. Um, so glad that you could join us today and talk about this really astounding and very important exhibit. I'm going to start off by just reading uh, a quote that you have in the accompanying book, um, and I thought this might be a jumping in point in terms of talking about the photographer and also the work. Uh, and the quote is, I buried my negatives in the ground in order that there should be some sort of record of our tragedy. I was anticipating the total destruction of Polish Jewry. I wanted to leave an historical record of our martyrdom, Heinrich Ross. So who was this man, and how did he come to document the ghetto? Heinrich Ross, before 1940, when he became a resident of the, you know, he was required to live in the Woods ghetto, he was a Polish photojournalist. And upon arrival in the ghetto, initially his camera was taken away from him. But once the Jewish Council developed the Department of Statistics, he became an official photographer of the ghetto. And he was, as the story is told, he was given his camera back. And he was then assigned to photograph ID pictures for people in the ghetto, and he also was assigned to do propaganda stories about life in the ghetto. While doing that, he also took covert photographs, um, which you see in the exhibition. So in terms of, um, you mentioned, he he was asked to take these official portraits and the propaganda photographs, which really were supposed to show sort of what was happening with the labor in the ghetto, um, and they include pictures of factory work, sanitation workers, all aspects of life in the ghetto. And it's striking when you see these within this mix of images, some taken, as you say, covertly, and others as part of his official role. And I wonder um, what your takeaway was. Uh, I was surprised in the way that they document these everyday moments, and they show individuals and families also smiling and engaged and even posing for the photographs in some instances, those are the ones he took surreptitiously, I take it, um, and then juxtaposed with these other images of the sort of labor that they were doing in the ghetto. What was it like to look through all of that? Well, in fact, it does really present a very comprehensive view of the ghetto. As you mentioned, there are portraits um, that particularly portraits between 1940 and 42, where he photographed dinner parties or people in the meadows. Um, those we don't know if those were official or unofficial because there was a lot more. He had more freedom with his camera before 1942, and so to juxtapose those with photographs 
people starving in the streets, of, you know, corpses in the morgue, of deportation is, I, I think, was really um, an intense experience to look at all of these and get an idea of his experience and of the experience of many people in the ghetto. And I think our typical kind of visual image of the Holocaust is very much about death and in some shocking images that we probably all have engraved in our minds. But this exhibition and this archive of Henrik Ross's work gives us a picture of uh, suffering over many years. And that's, I think, what's new about it and was certainly, um, you know, enlightening for me to see the street trade photographs and kind of get a real sense of what life was like and how it was complex um, during this time for people in the ghetto. And yet it feels as though there's a real intimacy to his work, and he's very respectful of the subjects. He um, obviously brought something to this work in terms of his ability to capture these moments. Absolutely. I think he was very um, sensitive to his subjects and was both, you know, implementing his orders that he was given by um, by the Jewish council members, but he also, um, particularly in the portraits on what we call the memory wall, I think that gives us a real sense of the trust that he gained from his sitters. Um, there's also a photograph of a man saving a Torah, and the story that Ross later told was, that the person was trying to get away from Ross and as he was saving the Torah and Ross explained to him that Ross's goal was to document this for posterity and um, for people to be able to have this understanding or at least pictures of what was happening. And so the person then turned around and posed with the Torah. So I think that's an example of, you know, you see one photograph of the man walking, you see his back mm -hmm. and him walking away with the Torah, but then you see he's, He's turned around and posed for, for Ross. The memory wall is just incredible. Um, it really stops you for a while. Because um, mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of narrative in his pictures. Absolutely. There's a lot of narrative that uh, really gives us this window into life during this time. And, and I think throughout the exhibition, you know, we initially introduced Ross as a person and photographer and then we do get into this daily life, which has everything from ghetto administrators, you know, performing for the camera, hospital propaganda, and as we bring people people through the daily life and then onto deportations, we chose to end the show with that memory wall as for a moment for people to pause and think about what photography can do, how it can preserve memories and it can help us pay homage to victims and sort of think about um, collective history. Yeah, I, ha I have to say at the end of the show, there's a photograph of people with their backs to us um, getting onto the trains and mm -hmm. you realize that that's, that's the last photograph um, and yet you've seen probably many of those people in his other photographs earlier in the exhibit. And it really did give me a moment for pause. Um, was he, mm -hmm. um, do you think he knew the importance of this work? I think he did have a 
very important insight that the fact that he buried the photographs in 1944, not sure if he himself would survive, and then that he was able to unearth them and then spent the rest of his life really revisiting it all and trying to kind of make sense of it. The centerpiece of the show um, is an album where he printed up his contact sheets and numbered the negatives, and you can see him really going through it. So I would say while he was photographing it, the fact that he risked so much to photograph those deportation photographs, I think he did know that at some point it would be very important to have those images, and I'm sure his instincts were confirmed when he was a witness in the Eichmann trial. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just regretful that today he's not able to see uh, that we've put together this exhibition and that it's really, you know, I think um, reaching out to many people that might have personal connections to this moment in time or that might feel very connected to themes in the show that are related to contemporary life, the question of resilience and bearing witness and um you know, threats of walls and separation. It's, a, um, I think, a powerful show that reminds us what photography can do and how it can reach and speak to many people. Absolutely. And you mentioned um, how he buried, I think it was 6,000 negatives, something like that? Yes. I, I wondered if you could speak a bit about that. I know he talks a little bit about it in the video that you have at the beginning of the exhibit. But um, this is something that journalists did. We just did a translation here of two journalists who were in the ghetto and chronicled everyday life and also buried their manuscripts in milk cans and went back um, and unearthed them. So could you just share a little bit about how he went about doing this? Absolutely. So he basically took his, he says, 6,000 negatives and a couple hundred prints and buried them in this iron-rimmed box. Um, Because of the groundwater, at least half of those negatives were damaged, but he was able to hold on to everything else and really uh, revisited it and worked with it for the rest of his life. So it became truly sort of his life's work in a box that he buried and miraculously was able to retrieve after the Soviets liberated the Woods Ghetto in January forty-five. And when you accessed all of these images um, to curate this exhibit, how did the story reveal itself to you in terms of telling it the way you did? Well, this um, archive is owned currently by the Art Gallery of Ontario, and they've had this work in their collections since 2007. So I really have learned a great deal from... Maya Setnik, the curator of photographs there, who did a show um, in 2015 that we are basically borrowing the material from. So uh, I have been able to sort of use the images to have the story reveal itself, but also it's been through her knowledge because she was able to spend multiple years going through all of the negatives and really pull out this story, which is very new in terms of history of this time period. Yeah, and so he unearthed these in 1945, is that right? Yes. And then, I guess, I'm curious, what happened to them between then and now, as it were? Well, he, in 1950, he moved to Israel. 
he printed some of the prints you see in the exhibition. He printed probably shortly after he arrived in Israel, and he made them on larger paper. You can see some of the photographs say photo Henrik Ross, and mm-hmm. some of the prints then have that written in Yiddish, and others have it written in Hebrew. And so we know that he went through different phases, you know, like the Yiddish ones are closer to the time that he moved to Israel, and maybe the Hebrew ones where there's Hebrew writing are a little bit later. But So he was printing up photographs. He did a small book in 1962 that was published in Tel Aviv. And from 1960 to 1987, he worked on this album that you see in the center of the show, where we can see how he numbered the negatives and how he the album doesn't present a chronological or necessarily coherent narrative, but there's all these little stories within, and I think it gives us a sense of his attempt to make sense of his own experience. So he worked with those um, until 1987, and he died in 1991. So um, it was much later, a couple of decades later, that... Uh, the Archive of Modern Conflict had his archive, and they gifted it to the Art Gallery of Ontario. Wow. Um, and then it's come together as this exhibit, which is, is it a traveling exhibit? Yeah, so it began at the Art Gallery of Ontario, and we are the first U.S. museum to show it, and I don't know if there are plans for it to travel further or not. Wow. Oh. I, I think there aren't as of right now, but there could, you know, there could be, I suppose, in the future. And is there more work of his that remains to be printed, or does this seem like it's the sort of body of work that will live on? Well, there's ab- I think this body of work will absolutely live on, but there is definitely, um, or there are definitely, you know, thousands of negatives that have not been printed, and I'm sure with time this work that's in the exhibition will give people a sort of jumping off point to then dig even deeper into his documentation of the ghetto. And also, I I mentioned that there's the video when you come into the exhibit, and he and his wife are recounting sort of how they went about bearing, and there's just a wonderful passage where he talks about how he was able to take the photographs without being caught. Do you remember this? Um, yes, yeah. absolutely. I wonder he if you could about... yeah, share a little bit of that story, because I think it's a, it's an interesting glimpse into who he was. Absolutely. There's a couple um, different sort of stories about how he was taking photographs surreptitiously, one of which, and he actually sort of acts it out in the, in the film, is putting the camera in his coat and kind of quickly opening his coat and taking the photograph. Uh, he also tells a story of disguising or, you know, dressing up as a cleaner and going into the train station and hiding in a storeroom where there's a little hole and he was able to see out of the hole um, and put his camera up to make those images. So um, he also talks about being on the street and his wife, Stefania, sort of being the lookout while he's taking photographs. There's also a little shack that he um, apparently would photograph from. So he absolutely was taking huge risks, and it was, you know, an enormous sacrifice that he obviously felt great conviction about to go ahead and keep taking photographs at this risk and really use the camera as a weapon of active resistance. Yeah, 
which is tremendous. So again, um, if you could just share with our listeners the, the title of the exhibit, uh, where it's located, and um, how long it will be at the MFA. Yes, the show is called Memory Unearthed, the photographs of Henrik Ross in the Woods Ghetto. And, or rather, I mixed it up there, sorry, Memory Unearthed, the Woods Ghetto photographs by Henrik Ross. And they are in our Lindy family wing at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston and will be up until the end of July this year. And website if anybody wants to go on there and get more information. Yes, it's mfa.org, and you can go to exhibitions and find the Memory Unearthed page. Great. And for those who are not able to go, um, the companion book, Memory Unearthed, is really um, quite a book to have. Um, It really tells the story beautifully as well. Um, Thank you again for your work on the exhibit and for joining us today. Thank you so much, Lisa. Okay. It's nice to be here. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. This episode is produced by me, Alexis Owing. And until next time, be well and be healthy.